0: This is episode sixty nine with John Bose.
1: This is Crowdfunding Uncut, the place where creators and entrepreneurs come to learn how to launch a successful crowdfunding campaign. Here's your host, Kirsten Ross.
0: Hey everyone, thanks for listening to another episode. I have yet again another great friend that I met at Tropical Think Tank. Um, If this podcast doesn't endorse TTT more than anything else, I don't know what is. Chris Ducker, if you're listening, hello. Um, But guys, um, a few days ago, I had my friend John Bose, who is being interviewed on this episode, post on Facebook that he's just so proud to be a part of this amazing Kickstarter campaign. And Filippo Laredi right now, it's about a week after launch, and they are sitting at $750,000 raised and climbing. And it's really funny because um, John by trade is a master at, like, he goes by calling himself a copywriter, but he's not a copywriter. Um, He is someone who is really good at positioning offers and using language in terms of the written text to help people get more sales and I thought it was really coincidental that uh, the Filippo Loretti campaign was going on right during this interview because it's his first Kickstarter campaign that he's done but he's worked with some industry leaders like Pat Flynn, Brian Clark, Russell Brunson from ClickFunnels as well as John Astroff from Neurogym and he's been a part of some multi-million dollar launches not on Kickstarter. And it's really fascinating for me to see how some of the um, psychology that he uses to make his other clients a lot of money, how he's actually applied that to structuring the offers of a Filippo Filippo Loretti campaign and why that's so important and something that's usually overlooked when it comes to crowdfunding. So I'm actually really excited to uh, have John on the show and dive into some buyer psychology what are some things you need to think of when you're structuring your rewards and frankly how uh, what else the internet marketing space is doing really well that maybe Kickstarter creators have not tapped into yet so John I'm so excited to have you on the show Um, let's get the interview started so John where are you right now I bet it's somewhere warmer than where I am
1: It probably is, yeah. I am sitting in my beautiful living room just overlooking the ocean. There are surfers outside, and it is just a gorgeous day here in Encinitas, California.
0: Right, and that's, I mean, I did come and visit you, but that's about a 45-minute train ride north of San Diego.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: I miss it there. Toronto, I feel like as soon as I got back 10 days ago, it just went into polar ice freeze, which... I shouldn't complain because global warming and everything, but still, I, I miss the beach.
1: <laughs> Understandable.
0: Yeah. So, John, tell us um, if you could just do like a 60 to 90 second overview of what it is that you do.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, you know how businesses really want to get more customers? Who doesn't? Yeah. yeah. And they want those customers to spend more money with them. And they want those customers to come back more often. And they want customers that really love their brand and really connect with their purpose. And they want to make an impact on the world.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: that's what I help businesses do.
0: Cool. So you work with not new companies, but ones that already have an established client base?
1: Yeah, that's what I prefer. Uh, I've worked with a lot of new startups also what i've discovered about them is oftentimes they don't implement as quickly and the results of an idea when you're at 0 is not quite the same as the results of an idea when you're at a million you know an idea that at a million could take you to 1.2 million if you're at 0 it might be, <laughs> it might just not even work for you So it's much easier to grow businesses than it is to uh, start businesses from scratch. But I do work with a lot of people who are just starting out, too. And oftentimes, I don't even charge for that. I'll just do pro bono stuff because I just, I mean, at the core of my being, I just really want to see people succeed. And once they get to a higher level, then they can pay me more money and we all win together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, while we're going to talk about this in a bit, who are, um, if you could pick a niche for who your clients are. I know you've worked with some really well-known internet marketers, but would you say mm-hmm. you have a, a specific niche you like to work in?
1: Um, that's a really good question. I would say no for now. And the reason why is because I am taking a Jay Abraham approach. So essentially what I'm trying to do is learn about a whole bunch of different industries so that I can derive new ideas from one industry and apply them to an industry where no one is using them, with exceptional success and results.
0: It makes sense, and um, yeah, you know, it's funny. Like, so you and I go back about eight months. You're one of my newer friends, but I feel like I've known you for a long time. Uh, we met at Tropical Think Tank in the Philippines March last year. Yeah, it was like great conference, and I just okay. you were someone who. I wanted to speak to you because you were literally the only other Canadian in the room. But um I feel like I spoke to you for about 5 or 10 minutes and one of the times is when I was having like a mini meltdown on the beach and you just took me aside you're like and just gave me the pep talk and I was like how does this guy know what I'm going through and that's how I realized you were so perceptive and the fact that you work with companies to help with positioning to really ramp up sales from a consumer standpoint like it makes total sense that you do that because you are disgustingly good at, um, perception <laughs> and, and being able to translate that into money for people. Like, you know, you're going to have an amazing career, I think.
1: Mm, well, thank you for that. I really appreciate that. And, uh, and go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say the, the reason for that is I spent years training that, um, I was homeschooled originally. And then when I went to high school, I wasn't very good with people at all. And when I went off to university, then I just decided I've got to learn this. So I went off every single summer and I went and I sold books, educational books for kids door to door. So over five years during every summer, I did this and made decent money, made pretty good money. You know, for a college student, if you make 15 grand in the summer, you're like, oh, my God, I'm rich. Uh, Yep,
0: (laughs) I remember that.
1: Yeah. And so I, I overall, I knocked on, you know, talked to 20,000 families across America. I had thousands of customers from extremely poor people who lived in ghettos to rich people who drove Ferraris and lived in castles, basically. So that was kind of my perception honing time.
0: So then what brought you online?
1: Well, Uh, The last summer, actually, so after I graduated university, I studied philosophy and economics, which were super useful, really interesting, but not exactly practical. The philosophy factory wasn't exactly hiring when I graduated. So I had to rely on new ways to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. And I didn't want to become some stuffy academic who just sits in an ivory tower and rains down judgment on everyone. So I went off and I sold books one more time. And during that summer, I actually had a team under me. I was leading a team of nine people and it just fell apart. Like, this is my nightmare story. I, my team fell apart. They just, a bunch of them quit on me and went home. And I just lost all my motivation. And I, I remember at one point during that summer, this was, uh, what, 2014? Yeah, 2014 or something. And I remember at one point during that summer, I was sitting in my car and I had spent all my money and I was, I had just gotten a flat tire as I was driving along and I didn't have the money to put on a new tire. And I was sitting in my car outside of a dollar store and I remember digging around in my car just so I could find some change so that I could go into the store to buy candy to just numb my hatred of myself. And... It was just like this feeling of, oh, I never want to experience this again. And it was around that time that I really started to look at my life and say, okay, so what? what's, what's wrong here? And I realized I was just wasting so much time going door to door and talking to non-prospects. And I was like, wow, I could make an entire summer's worth of presentations in an hour online just by getting a whole bunch of people on a webinar or sending them to a video. So I tried that. I set up a video selling the books and I set up Facebook ads to the moms in my area. And all I did, I didn't know what I was doing. So I just set up a, I just demoed the books in my video and then had a buy button below. And I sent like a few thousand people to the page and no one bought, (laughs) but I knew I was onto something. And I knew if I could just learn to sell online, that it would change my entire life. So I did what any rational, sane person in that Instance would do. I sold ninety percent of my possessions, bought a backpack, and bought a one-way ticket to Peru. And in Peru, I went and I did ayahuasca in the jungle with a shaman. And then after that, then I started writing uh, sales copy for people. I started actually just by editing pages, and I did it on Fiverr. So it was like five bucks, and I'll edit your page. And so I was getting people who were coming to me because I didn't have super high confidence at the time about my ability to deliver results. So I figured I would just start by Providing the smallest amount of value, making the smallest impact I could, and I knew I could provide at least five dollars worth of value to someone. So I was getting people who didn't even speak English, and they'd bring me these pages, which were just like, "Greetings, welcome, sir. This page will sell you this book. If you like that, please." Oh dear, dear lord! And so I would just like edit these pages and just you know fix them, and and then uh, during this time I was learning about copywriting and conversions and all this stuff, and. And uh, then I just started getting bigger clients and I started getting results for these little guys and getting good reviews. And uh, I did so much work for like $25 or $100. And I would just go into Facebook groups and I would just say, hey, if anyone has a blog or a website and wants a free review, I'll tell you how you can increase conversions. And then people would send me their blogs and I'd be like, well, you know, it might help if you had a headline or, you know, some people put calls to action And those increase their conversions because then there's something to convert. And so I just gave away hundreds of these and I realized, most people are pretty clueless about what they're doing and they're just kind of running around like chickens with their heads cut off. And that's when I started to get more confident and started to develop my skills even more. And I just invested in myself like a disgusting monster, just soaking up all the information, all the courses, all the knowledge, all the wisdom, the coaching I could get my, my hands on. And, yeah, it really started to pay off. You know, um, I actually just got a message the other day from my first ever copywriting client that didn't come from Fiverr. And I charged him $150 to edit his sales page. And his sales page was selling, I think it was a $300 course at the time. And I increased his conversions by 40%. And over the last year, he said he's used it multiple more times and he's probably made about uh, 20,000 extra dollars from that one hundred and fifty dollar investment that he made, so now he's about to relaunch the course again at a higher price point, and I just said, "Well, hey, yeah, I can optimize that again for you, and it's kind of cool because I'm thinking about that and I'm probably going to charge him you know fifteen times as much as I charged him last time, and I'm sure he'll pay it because he uh, he sees the benefit every day
0: that's kind so, of a It's kind of a cool thing about, because you've had such an amplified journey in a year and a half. And I feel like I've kind of been on the same trajectory in that I was charging like next to nothing compared to what I'm charging now for stuff. And I have clients who, um, they spoke to me say eight months ago and I said, oh yeah, I'll charge you like $300 for a strategy session. But they're coming back to me now and I'm like, "Mm, yeah, you should look at my pricing because it's like five times that amount. And they're like, girl, what happened to you? (laughs) you're getting cocky. It's like, no, I got results. And then it's, you know, supply and demand. Um, But what's really fascinating is you say like back in 2014, which is not even like maybe two and a half years ago as of recording this. And can you, are you able to list off some of the clients online that
1: you've worked with? Oh yeah. Um, So John Asserath with Neurogym, uh, we just did a huge launch with him. I think it was ended up being around $2 million. Pretty cool. Uh, Russell Brunson and Brian Clark of Coffee Blogger. I'm actually working with him right now. Uh, Pat Flynn, um, Nick Unsworth, uh, these guys, Filippo Loretti, their watch campaign right now is killing it. And now, I didn't write the copy for that. I just consulted them on the offer, and I'm consulting them on the, the back-end funnel and then other things, so... Yeah, so some pretty big names with really cool businesses.
0: And while I would love to hear the story of how you got each and every one of those, I want to keep this on point. Um, I find that it's you and I have been trying to schedule this interview for, what, two months now? And we finally did it. And I find (laughs) it so funny that we did it um, about four days after you posted on Facebook, you know, I just was a part of this amazing Kickstarter project. And I look at it today. They have been live for, what, a week or so? Yeah. They've yeah. raised three-quarter million dollars. And I'm just looking at this like, oh, John, this is perfect. You're going to come on the show. And it's instead of trying to figure <laughs> out some weird angle as to how you're relevant to crowdfunding, it's like you have a campaign. This is fantastic. So, like, can you – Um, I want to get through the Kickstarter conversation first and then branch mm-hmm. out more into some – not how-tos, because I know a lot of what you do is high-level with uh, structuring of packages and positioning and why all that's important. So can you um, go into how you actually got the gig with uh, Filippo Loretti?
1: Yeah. Um, so so I was off after Tropical Think Tank. Um, I was traveling around Asia, and I went to this place, Cohub, K-O-H-U-B, K-O-H-U-B which is a co-working space in Koh Lanta, Thailand, and I was just hanging out there. Stayed there for a month. It was absolutely gorgeous. Really great place. A lot of cool entrepreneurs. And I walked past these guys one day, and we were just talking. And they were just cool guys, super positive, and very tall. And I was like, "Oh, you're you're interesting guys." And then I saw them working on their their computer screens, and they were working on these watch designs. And later on, then we were hanging out another time, and uh, I just asked them what they did and they told me all about it. And I looked up their brand. And so they have this whole luxury watch brand called Filippo Lavedi, which is basically luxury watches without the luxury prices because they go direct to consumer and cut out all the middlemen. And they just make gorgeous watches. I mean, these things look like a tech the They're, They're just absolutely so nice. Stunning. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was just like, I just got really excited. So this is what I do is I just, when I see someone's business and I like it. I just get really excited about it. And before they even, like, I in my mind, I take the Jay Abraham approach again, where I think of every single person that I interact with as a client immediately from the start. So that means that I take them under my wing. I take them under my protection. I give them the best advice that I possibly can give them. I help them succeed as much as possible. And I know that that will come back to me monetarily, karmically, uh, in feelings, in in relational capital, in all these things, I just immediately see everyone as a client. How can I help you? How can I serve you? How can we get this business to the next level? So we just started talking, and I was just spouting off all these ideas about how they could partner with suit manufacturers or shoes and do affiliate promotions, about different cross sells and upsells they could have, about different ways they could package things together, the stories that they could tell, how to develop their brand even more. Um, I was just super duper impressed by the the quality of language that they used in all of their presentation of the watches, as well as their visual brand is extremely on point. It's very sophisticated and elegant. And you can tell that they really have a heart and a passion for beauty and aesthetic. And that just really appealed to me. So I don't even remember how it happened, uh, but they just started messaging me about like, Hey, can you check this out and would send me over things and I would send them resources. And we just kind of started jamming in that way. And then, uh, And then, yeah, so when they were going into this Kickstarter, then I worked with them to develop the offers for it and figure out a way to get people to get more watches um, instead of just getting one because they're just such amazing watches that everyone should have all of them. And uh, (laughs) so one of the ideas we came up with was just to include this collector's box, which the instant you do that, then it takes it from people mentally seeing, oh, a watch. I get a watch. I have a watch To Oh, I'm a watch collector, and it just positions it entirely different in their mind. Uh, and then there's other things that I want to include later on too, that will just really make these seem like something that that they that are rare and exclusive and worthy of becoming a collectible that will actually increase in value over time. Because watches are a super interesting market. They're actually, uh, if you look at old Rolexes, a lot of them go up in value over time which is very, very rare for a luxury, luxury piece of jewelry or a luxury thing. You know, An old car, if, if it's really well-maintained, can also go up in value. But most of the time when you buy a watch or buy a car, um, if the brand doesn't stay strong over time, then it'll go down in value. But if the brand does stay strong over time, then it can increase in value. So that was what I wanted to see in people's minds, and it's working pretty well.
0: Yeah, and I guess the beauty of this campaign is it's their second one, so they had a bit of an understanding of who their customer was going into it, which is, um, which is good. How did you? Because the funny thing about Kickstarter is when you introduce different offers, and by offers we mean rewards, reward packages. Mm -hmm. um, But when you introduce that to an audience, like how do you know that they are going to resonate with it? Because it's not, I mean, you have 30 days and you could tweak stuff, but like, how do you know that that's the right one?
1: I think that comes down to instinct and what you've fed yourself in terms of studying other industries. So I've, um, I actually borrowed this idea. I think what sparked this idea was with Frank Kern, he had this mass influence report that he would put out. I think that was it. And I never bought it. I just read about it. But he and Dan Kennedy did this, too. When they send you the first edition of this newsletter, they would send you a big binder. And inside this binder, it had all the months of the year broken out. And then inside each one was like a clear plastic sleeve. So the instant you do that, then people get it and they want to fill it up. And so that's just a principle of human psychology. You know, the same thing works across every industry if you understand how human brains work. And if you give someone something and you say, hey, this is a collector's box, then people are going to want to fill it up because a collector's box would look pretty silly if it has 10 slots and you only have one watch in there.
0: So how did you... Tell me a bit more about this collector's box. Like, I'm looking at your rewards right now, and Mm -hmm. I know it'll be different, but you have the super early bird, you have the one watch early bird, two watch early bird, and so on and so forth. When did you introduce the collector's box? Like, was it straight from the beginning, or is it like five days in you decided to surprise people? And was it something you offered as an upsell or for free? Like, how did you frame that offer?
1: So, okay, yeah, good question. So it's it's in it was included from the beginning and it is uh it's a free bonus. So we attached a value to it, so two hundred dollars. So I said if you guys sold this, how much would you sell it for? And they said two hundred bucks. So we attached a value to it, um, two hundred dollars, and then so then we included it when they buy two or more watches that they get this box also. Um And I was thinking actually in the future that it might be a good idea to make it for three or more watches and then also have a cleaning kit that you get, the cleaning kit with two watches and then you get the cleaning kit and the box. So basically the idea is to add on and stack the value so when people buy more, because ideally I would love it if everyone came here and said, you know what, I'm gonna get five watches. I'm gonna get a set of five and the more people we can get to take that option to go with that, then the better it is because they get more watches and they, they look better and they feel better. And they just, you know, these are just things that it's really interesting because I, I believe that these watches will just bring so much joy into the life of the owner that every time they look at them, they'll just feel this feeling of like, you know what, I'm a sensible, stylish man. And so I want to get as many watches as possible into their hands.
0: (laughs) It's like, it's so fun. like I've never um, really done a live analysis of a campaign before, but I have like I have your rewards in front of me and I have never stacked them the way you do because when we look at internet marketing, it's when you buy things, you get all these additional bonuses, like price stacking as you say. And so I'm looking at, for example, if you pledge $500 or more, you get four watches. Um, you get four Filippo ready luxury watches but it doesn't go that far. It says, plus we will add luxury watch collector's box, 200 euro value, plus we'll add two Italian leather straps, plus we'll add traveler's watch roll. So all of these things, and you're looking at the price plus the fact that you're saving, um, like, I don't know, we'll say 20% per watch by buying in bulk. It's a no brainer to buy the larger items because that's, on crowdfunding with Kickstarter campaigns, you really want to be pushing up your average transaction value. And you do that by stacking it to incentivize people to spend more money, or else it, you're going to require more traffic for lower dollar value transactions. And it's just so much harder to push units. I really love how yeah. you've, like, I've never seen price stacking when it comes to Kickstarter. And it's so funny because I do that for my own offers, like, not on hmm. crowdfunding, like my own thing, you know?
1: Yeah. So oh that's so cool. And that and that's part of what I was talking about earlier, how I do not want to choose a niche. You know, a lot of copywriters and a lot of marketers and whatever will say, you've got to have a niche and get to know your market super well. I'm the opposite. I don't want to get to know any one market super well because then I'll get into groupthink. And then I won't be able to take ideas that are innovative from other industries and apply them in new and unique ways to achieve results which most people would consider impossible or would consider unrealistic or whatever.
0: Hey John, I'm just gonna pause you there for a second and say thank you to Backerkit for sponsoring this episode. Backerkit is a crowdfunding fulfillment software tool that will help you, the creator, focus on what is most important while they will make handling upsells, customer surveys, color selection, address changes, anything that has to do with the administrative side of fulfillment that, trust me, I've been eyeball deep in this stuff, can make you rip your hair out. Um, They have an amazing software solution that will make the process a lot more streamlined for you and you don't need to build your own mega spreadsheet to do this, Um, as well as many other things. Like the guys over there are just incredible and I thank you so much for sponsoring this episode and the podcast because without you guys, this may not be possible. And to find out more about their services, uh, they do have a special offer for the Uncut community, 50% off of their setup fee. Um, You could go to backerkit.com or head over to the show notes on this. And there's a link with that unique coupon code that you guys can use to save a good chunk of change. So apart from that, um, go over there and do it. It's great. Even if you're months away from launching it would be good just to communicate with the team and make sure that you have services like this set up because they're going to help you focus on what is most important which is selling and creating a beautiful product and you want to be there for your customers and not have to get lost and spend weekends and spreadsheets so um, let's get back to the show and when did you start working with, okay, I know you've been helping them for like probably a couple of years, but putting your reward packages together, um, knowing how to price stack the way you have would require you to not put this offer together a week before. So how much time in advance did you recommend that they have those, like that structure around it?
1: The, that was one of the first things that I, I brought up when we were discussing their campaign. So I met them just uh, eight months ago in Thailand, um, right after Tropical right, Think tank. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly I don't listen so, to
0: my own podcasts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so that was, that was when I met them. And then just pretty much immediately I just started, I don't even remember when I first recommended it. Uh, it was just one of those ideas that I just threw out there. Um,
0: so in, yeah, probably yeah. like
1: a couple months after that, because they were work, working on the campaign already, and yeah, okay. I don't even remember.
0: Cool. <laughs> yeah, but th- that makes sense. Like, I think that's an opportunity with my business, because like, I don't know. I've b- what's made me have big numbers with the campaigns I've been on are is the product, but like my huge takeaway from this right now, I know we're gonna keep going, is like this price stacking, but. I'm, uh, I'm curious too, like, do you help them structure any of the updates or the communication that goes out to the backers during the campaign to continuously push sales?
1: Um, no, not really. Like, I'm, I have uh, another copywriter that I work with. His name's Chris, and they actually hired him independently of me. It was really funny. I was going to recommend, because they needed a copywriter for, they, we did an email campaign before this, or they did an email campaign before this and, uh, got like 20,000 leads a few weeks before, and then drove a bunch of those leads to here and got about 4% conversion from those guys. And Chris, my buddy actually wrote that email campaign and structured it all. And it was really funny cause I was going to recommend that they hire Chris and then I didn't get around to it. And then they ended up hiring him anyways. And then they messaged me and said, hey, do you know this guy, Chris? And I was like, yeah, I was actually going to recommend him to you. That's really funny. And uh, so in terms of the other communications and stuff, like, I'm not super duper involved in this campaign. They're just kind of like I'm advising them and consulting them and helping them out and just really, uh, like, I'm not getting paid a ton. I'm, I'm getting a lot of watches out of it. Uh, I get one of every watch, which is pretty cool. And uh, <laughs> yeah. so I'm more excited about that than the money. <laughs> so um,
0: yeah, I'd love to see like, because um, I, I know like I brought you onto the show, not specifically talk about how to do copywriting on Kickstarter because you're more of a positioning expert and how to really maximize audience spend. So I'm curious, like you've done so many successful launches off of Kickstarter, when it comes to product launches with NeuroGym and a few of your other clients, how, mm-hmm. in your mind, like how has a Kickstarter launch positioning differed, if it if any, from a regular product launch? Uh,
1: that's a good question. Um, Kickstarter is different because you have to communicate everything immediately. So with a regular product launch, you have the well, actually, I don't know. I've never seen anyone do like a product launch formula pre-Kickstarter launch with the three pre-launch videos. Oh, and the that could, um,
0: Jeff Walker style?
1: Yeah, that actually could be really interesting. If you had three videos and you started driving traffic to that like a uh, week before the, the Kickstarter launch, and then on the final video, you have the Kickstarter campaign as the launch. That could actually be a very interesting way to Combine those two different types of marketing into one, um, because people love to opt in for free courses and free video series and things like that, and then you drive that all towards this, and you could get a lot of affiliate support, a lot of blah blah blah. So that's a that's a really interesting concept which I hadn't considered before. Um, like so, yeah. it's so what I've noticed is it's very different because you have as it is right now, you have one page and it's basically like a sales page that it's your only chance, really. You know, you get, you get people here and then they either buy or they don't, but you're not really, you're not doing it in the same way as like, you know, where you have a cart open and then cart closing sequence and you get people's names and email addresses right at the beginning and then you push them through this whole uh scarcity and urgency and bonus stacking and and you have so many chances when you're doing a regular product launch like the one we just did with neurogym you know we sent out uh we sent out like 15 emails after the brainathon over the next week and these emails were all specifically crafted to tell stories that overcame specific objections and resonated with a different type of buyer in a different way, and the reason that was so effective was because you know we could just really, I don't want to say hammer, but uh, smoothly soothe all the objections over time through many different channels, many different uh, attempts. So we got a lot of chances at people. Basically, um, with the Kickstarter, you pretty much you really got to have your page on point and your video on point and everything just has to be really just smooth there so that people feel compelled to take action immediately because uh, you might not get a second chance.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny because like, when you do an internet marketing product launch, you, as you said, you have a cart open for seven days and you – it's very planned. You can write those sequences in advance because you know how mm-hmm. buyers are going to react. They're going to flock to the initial offer and then nothing's going to happen during the week and then all of a sudden the cart closed, you're going to get a bunch of last-minute buyers. It's so predictable. Um, Kickstarter is as well, but I find it really hard to be to plan in advance because you have to be so reactive. You don't know how your sales are going to go. and yeah. So it's hard to say... Uh, like i find um today if on one of our campaigns like if thanksgiving sales are slow what what can we do today based on the information we have to get the sales higher and that's where we would send an email saying like introducing bluetooth capability or
1: something <clears> like that <throat> right
0: and you really have to go with the ebbs and flows of how your campaign does because you while you can predict as much as you can um it's you just don't know how your launch is going to go. Yeah. You just don't know. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, yeah. And that's the same with internet marketing launches too, is, you know, you, you get to be agile and flexible and change things. If something's not working, you get to figure out why. And, you know, sometimes shifting the messaging on an opt-in page will increase your conversions by 25%, which in the long term means, you know, you just made an extra $30,000 from changing a few words. Um, but it's it's that optimization and that flexibility and agility that's always required, no matter what type of launch you're doing.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the thing about Kickstarter that I'm learning versus Indiegogo, for example, like Indiegogo gives you really good analytics to see how much traffic you're getting, um, real time to your page versus your backer numbers so you can see if your conversions are good or bad with Kickstarter um, you don't have those analytics unless if you are plugged into Google Analytics and you'll know exactly real time what's happening so it's a bit more of a workaround that way but mm-hmm. um, so I'm curious then like with the work you've done, Do you have a favorite project that you've been on? And I I don't mean crowdfunding. I mean like between all the clients you've worked with.
1: Uh, Favorite project. Uh, Interesting question. I'm really, I'm really enjoying my role, however minor it is in this Filippo Loretti watch campaign. You know, it's, these guys are just such implementers and I love working with people who are implementers and, and I love working with people who have a real eye for beauty. Um, my favorite project other than this would probably have been, uh, I don't know. I mean, I loved working with Russell. Like he's just so much fun. He's just like a great dude, but we worked on so many projects together and none of them were really like the any big launches or anything it was just all optimization and you know refinement of messaging and just doing different things like that so i've really enjoyed that if i do have a deal which i'm trying to structure with him right now which would involve promoting click funnels uh to many large lists of internet marketers and if that comes through then that would be a really really fun and exciting project to work on Maybe I might have to go with the Brainathon from Neurogym, and the reason for that is the Brainathon is just this amazing event that Neurogym holds, where John Aseraf and I think this year we had seven other guests, and these are all expert neuroscientists and coaches, and some of the best experts in the world on brain science, and they all came on and talked about your subconscious mind and how to retrain your subconscious mind. To eliminate the mental and emotional blocks which are stopping you from earning the income that you desire and deserve, and that was just a really, really fun campaign because we did, I and mean, we did 1.2 million in our first 24 hours after launching that with the card open. But uh, we got 75,000 email registrations. You know, it was an eight-hour long event that was live streamed all day, and uh, it was just a ton of work going into it, and it was really really interesting and exciting to watch numbers on that scale happening. You know, when you're sitting there and you're watching tens of thousands of dollars come in in minutes, and then hundreds of thousands of dollars over hours, and then over a million dollars within a day. And I'm like, sitting there and I'm like, damn, (laughs) I wrote that, (laughs) like we worked on the script, we worked on the emails, we worked on the sales page. I I did like that, that whole thing.
0: I love that
1: feeling along with a lot of support from, from some very smart and uh, wonderful people. And that it's just, it's amazing, amazing feeling. Yeah.
0: So I know there's so many parts to this, but from that launch, if you can, let's focus on one thing you wish that you or the team did differently that you thought wasn't as effective and mm-hmm. then this the last question is, what is one thing you saw really well that was very effective on that launch?
1: Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, well, wow. oh geez, I you know, I wish I just took this advanced NLP training course and I'm actually going back to take another one in about a week, beginning of December, and I'm going to be after that, I'm going to be like full NLP certified. And I just really just dived into this new world recently of neurolinguistic programming and hypnosis and just really understanding hypnotic language patterns and noticing and paying attention to how that shows up in life and how it makes people feel and what, what the power is when you can get people to really watch and listen with their full attention and just be fully present and how many more people just get it. And I don't mean get it and get a program or get a product, but get your message and get the emotional appeal of that. And so what I wish I had done differently was I wish I had taken this course before working on that script because I think that number, the 1.2 million, probably would have doubled if I had have known then what I know now. But it just came like a few weeks too late. And it, uh, yeah, that that has just given me an incredible amount of of realization of the power of language and what it can do. So that's what I wish I had done differently. And that's a, uh, but it's really cool because now I know I've seen the baseline. So now next time I work on a big launch like that, and I really incorporate in these principles of uh, hypnotic language patterns and all combining that with all of the marketing and sales knowledge that I already had, then it's just going to supercharge the results and blow them through the roof for whoever is lucky enough to get me next working on their project. Confident,
0: except yes. I support anyone who hires John because he is seriously awesome.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I wish I had had at that time. Okay.
0: And, and that was what, what
1: I saw. Yeah, what I saw really go uh, amazingly was just the team pulling together you know it's it's really difficult to build a team and Neurogym has done this amazingly well and i think part of it is a big part of it is they just have such a grand vision you know it's it's the the first ever scientifically verified and proven effective by tens of thousands of people all around the world brain training programs that retrains your brain so that you naturally and automatically make more money like just incredible that they've done that and they've done that with weight loss and they've done that with achieving your goals and having more confidence and overcoming fear and next they're going to move into relationship space and it's just this beautiful grand vision of literally changing the world through changing the way people's brains work and operate and under well it's not so much changing how they work it's understanding how they work and knowing how to rewire and reprogram them from the foundational level up And so, this whole team is there and it's super enrolled in this vision. And so, everyone pulls together and everyone puts in late hours and, you know, puts in a ton of emotional energy and a ton of excitement and, and really is supportive of each other. So, just the teamwork and the amount of, uh, like, energy that you could just feel in the air between everyone working together. And, you know, sometimes it shows up as stress because everyone cared so much. And it was, it got really stressful sometimes. And sometimes you're freaking out and you're like, like, ah, this is awful. Uh, but then there's all these people around you who, you know, love you and care about you and support you and are on the same mission as you. And there's a lot of, a ton of heart there. So, so that's what I would say is the biggest thing that I saw is just the amazingness of the team.
0: I love it. Um, actually he did have one last question. This is my last question. Yes. Um, unless okay. if you inspire one more, but with, uh, John Asaroff, you guys brought in some affiliates to help with the launch or <laughs> JVs or whatever. I'm yeah. curious, with Kickstarter, I feel like that's an untapped market. I'm wondering if you have any recommendations or things that you've seen well in the past for how somebody can get an affiliate on board when they have no social proof apart from, because uh, like they're just getting started, you know? How would you tap into that if if it were you?
1: So this is where marketing and understanding human psychology really comes into play. Uh, During any launch, there's two launches going on. The first and most important launch because it has the highest impact is the launch to the affiliates and partners. And the reason for that is because when you launch successfully to, like if you were, let's say you spend five hours working on your sales page, and you optimize it and you tweak it and, you, and you're and you like, you're just going through and you're reading it out loud and you're just investing all this time on it. And it increases your conversions, let's say from, I don't know, 1% to 2%. Okay, cool. You just doubled your conversions. Um, but if you spent that five hours and you put together a really kick-ass marketing package, and you sent this out to a whole bunch of people who you know might promote it, then you would get, and let's say each, you send it out to 50 people and they each have a list of I don't know, let's say 5,000 people, that's 250,000 people then that they would be driving to your page, which the impact of sending 250,000 more people to your page with 1% conversion is going to be much, much, much greater than sending, than increasing that page from 1% to 2%. Now, of course if you can do both then that's even better and that's of course what i would try and do is you know do both Uh, but the most important launch is to the people who will be promoting it and to the press and you know if you want to do the pr angle you can do that um but just really crafting a really good uh launch series for the affiliate so what we did with neurogym is we sent them checks and uh, i learned this from lanny uh, lanny morton who came in and was assisting us with this launch and he was a brilliant, brilliant guy, insanely good marketer. And what we did was we sent checks to the affiliates beforehand. So first off, we sent them a check for like $3 or $2 or whatever. We said this was last year's average EPC. And it looked so it looked like they actually got a check. It was a fake check. It didn't have like the bank account number at the bottom. But other than that, it looks like they just got a check for $2. And then we sent them another check for... I think it was like $16,000. And we said, this is what the average affiliate earned last year. And then finally, we sent them a check for $350,000. And we said, this is what the top affiliate earned last year. And so we sent this whole marketing sequence out to the affiliates beforehand so that they were frothing at the bit, so that they were ready to promote And we continued the conversation with them throughout the entire launch so that they were continuously promoting it. And we had cash prizes, we had different bonuses. uh, We gave away a whole bunch of different cool stuff to the affiliates for driving more registrations. So with something like Kickstarter, suppose you did a, I think this would actually be really cool if you did this. If you had a product launch formula style launch before the actual campaign goes live, so you have the three pre-launch videos. Uh, the first one, you know, the opportunity. The second one, with the more information about the market. The third one with the connection. And then the fourth one drives, it's on the, uh, it's on the Kickstarter page. Then you would be able to track back. The, the biggest problem with Kickstarter would be tracking back the number of sales. So you wouldn't be able to tell where the sales came from, who sent them there. So that would make it difficult for the affiliates to get paid Uh, Based off of sales, but you could pay them based off of opt-ins, as long as those opt-ins convert at a decent rate. You know, you have to know your baseline numbers or figure it out after the fact. That people don't just give you a ton of fake email addresses and then uh, (laughs) gut you without ever (laughs) sending you anyone for real. Um, So then you would send out. So like a few weeks before you started promoting this campaign, you would want to choose who you were going to market to as an affiliate. And you would want to send them maybe a book and send them something else and send them, you know, I, I'd recommend sending like physical things in the mail because it stands out so much. You know, they yeah. get tons, thousands of emails each day. But if you send someone a basketball and you say, this is about to or we're about to have a slam dunk, then they're going to pay attention to that. They're going to notice that if you send them a little trash can with shredded up money inside it and say, are you throwing money away by not promoting this launch? They're going to notice that they're going to pay attention to that. So there's a ton of value in just getting really creative and having fun with your marketing. Um, and I could totally see that being a, a very successful strategy for a Kickstarter launch of then paying people based off of their, uh, their opt-ins that they drive, you know, you give each one a specific page so you can track back and see, mm-hmm. um, see how many opt-ins they drove there, and then, yeah, just having a really airtight marketing campaign for those guys.
0: Yeah, I think uh, what your
1: question.
0: It really does. Um, I think what really excites me now about Kickstarter, this is very new, but you can now do unique referral URLs, which oh, kick ass. You can, Yeah, so now that's a great way to track affiliate sales. By that, because I'd be so concerned about quality of emails and opt-ins, but yeah, so that's new, and I got super excited when I learned about that. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, right. that's
1: really cool. Yeah, the cool thing about Kickstarter is they really want you to succeed, you know?
0: Oh, 100 percent, because they make money off you succeeding. So
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Well, John, this has been awesome. Um, I wish we could take up the whole six hours. You said you were available right now, but uh, <laughs> if, if people want to find out more about you, how to hire you or what you're up to these days, where's a good place to for them to go?
1: Uh, that would be my personal website at johnbose.com. So J-O-N-B-O-W-E-S dot com. And you can it. also check out, it's not live yet, but there will be a site live soon for sellbigideas.com.
0: Oh yeah, I saw that that's, you just incorporated that.
1: Yes. Yes, that's my uh that's my brand. Sell big ideas.
0: Love it. And in the span of this interview, Filippo Luretti has been up $4,000, so that's pretty cool to watch. In sales in this Kick ass. Like, 45 minutes. So um <laughs> Right. Great. Well, John, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for being on the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: All right, guys, if you are in the middle of planning your um, crowdfunding campaign, be it Indiegogo or Kickstarter, and you want to know what are some things you could do a few months before to really set yourself up for success? Head over to crowdfundinguncut.com, click on checklist and you will be able to download the crowdfunding physical product checklist. Um, even if you don't have a physical product, there are some really great pointers there. And, um, this has been one of my favorite interviews. So if you guys are digging the show, please also head over to iTunes. There is a link in the show notes. Um, but leave us an honest review. It does help the show be found by more people and make sure that, um, you can have a successful campaign. So thanks so much, guys. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening.